0: As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem Amma Fa faa'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Rabbish rahli sadri wa yassir li amri Wahlul uqdatan min lisaani yafqahu qawli Rabbana zidna ilma Kitab Mawaqeetul Salah The timings of prayers And today inshallah we'll study about The time for Zuhur prayer And that will be followed by the time for Asr prayer. Which is the first prayer of the day? Subh, right? Fajr. But how come Imam Bukhari doesn't mention the Fajr prayer first? How come he starts with Zuhr prayer? Fajr is completely separate uh, from the rest of the prayers because before Fajr and after Fajr, there is a time when there is no prayer that is wajib. okay? But what's another reason? That when the Prophet ﷺ was given the command to pray, at the time of Isra, then when he returned, the first salah that he performed was Zuhr. So, Salatul zuhur was basically the first obligatory prayer that the Prophet ﷺ performed. That is when Jibreel came and told him to pray Zuhr. So, this is why we begin from the time of Zuhr prayer. So, باب al-Zuhri الظهري عند az-zawal The time of Zuhr is at the time of Zawal. What is Zawal? Zawal is basically... When the sun has passed its zenith, meaning the highest part of the sky, and it begins to descend downwards, meaning it begins to descend towards the west. So basically, once the sun rises, rises from the east, you see it going up into the sky, and then when it reaches the highest point, then what happens? It begins to decline towards the west. So once that decline begins, after the sun passes the zenith, that is when zawal occurs. So the time of Zuhr prayer is when the sun begins to decline. Remember, declining is different from the setting of the sun. Okay, The setting of the sun is when it's going to disappear. Declining is when you can say afternoon, all right? meaning the time of noon has passed. And by noon we don't mean 12 o'clock, we mean when the sun has passed its zenith. There is a hadith in Muslim which tells us that the time for zuhur is from when the sun has passed its zenith and a man's shadow is equal in length to his height. And that is basically the end of zuhur salah. qala Jabirun And Jabir said, كَانَ sallallahu صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ bil he said that the Prophet ﷺ, he used to pray, meaning Zuhr, at what time? At the time of هاجره. هاجره is midday. What's the root of the word هاجره? Ra. ها Any word that comes to your mind? Hajr. What does hajr mean? Jamila. To leave. So Hajra is the time when the people leave the streets. Okay, they leave their work. And where do they go? indoors. Why? Because of the extreme heat of the sun. This is not just in places where people don't have proper shelter from the sun, where people are working outside. No, even in more developed countries we see that when the sun is up in the sky, then you see the parks are empty. You don't find people walking about in the sun. So this is the time of Hajrah. So the Prophet Wasallam he used to pray at midday, meaning the Zuhur Salah, he would pray. After the time of noon. that the Prophet once he went out he came out at the time when زَاغَتِ الشَّمْسُ when the sun had begun to decline فَصَلَ الظُّهْرَ and then he performed the Zuhul prayer. So what do we see in the Hadith? When did he perform the Zuhul prayer? when the sun had begun to decline after ظهر فقام على Mimbar, then he stood on the Mimbar, فذكر الساعة and then he mentioned the hour meaning the last day the day of judgment فذكر so he mentioned أن فيها that indeed in it meaning on the day of judgment are أمور great matters meaning great things will happen on that day ثم then he said Man ahabba, whoever wants, and yas'ala, that he should ask an shayin about anything, فَلْيَسْأَل then he should ask. Fala, so not tas'aluni, you ask me an shayin about anything, illa except akhbartukum. I will inform you. Ma dumtu, as long as I remain fi maqami in my place, هَذَا this Meaning, as long as I'm standing here on this mimba, any question you ask me, I will answer you. So this is a time when you can ask me any question. Meaning I will entertain your questions right now only. فَأَكْثَرَ So the people increased. Meaning they did a lot. فِيْنْ أَلْبُكَاءُ Crying. Meaning the people began to cry a lot. وأكثر, and he increased. And يَقُولَ That he was saying Saluni, Ask me. Meaning the people kept crying and the Prophet ﷺ kept asking them, "Ask me, ask me, any question you want." Fakama. So he stood. Who? Abdullah ibn Hudafa al He stood up. Fakala, and then he said, "Man abi?" Who is my father? faqala The Prophet ﷺ said, Abuka hudhafa Your father is hudhafa Thumma akthara an Then again, he asked the people repeatedly, "Saluni, ask me, meaning ask me any question." فبرك so he kneeled on his knees. who Umar Umar anhu ala on his knees, meaning he bent forward, you know, kneeled on his knees. فقالا so he said رضينا بالله ربا we are pleased with Allah as our Lord. وبالإسلام and with Islam as our religion. وبمحمد and with Muhammad sallallahu wasallam as our prophet, meaning we are happy. We don't need to ask questions in order to Know for sure if you are a messenger of Allah or not. We know. We are happy. Fasakata. Then the Prophet became silent. Thumma Then he said, Uridat. It was presented alayya before me الْجَنَّةُ Paradise and hellfire. آنفا just now. Meaning I was made to see both Jannah and Hellfire right now. fi urdi in the side of this al wall. Meaning on the side of this wall, I was made to see Paradise and Hellfire. Falam so not ara. I saw kal Anything as good as Jannah and anything as evil as Hellfire. Meaning Jannah, the scene that I saw was the best thing I've ever seen and Hellfire, the worst thing I've ever seen. Now, what do we see in this hadith? The reason why Imam Bukhari is mentioning this hadith is to prove that the Prophet ﷺ came out when the sun began to decline, and that is when he performed the Zuhur prayer. That is relevant over here. That is clear. But what about the rest of the things which are mentioned in the hadith? Why did the Prophet ﷺ tell the people to ask him any questions? Because there were some people who had doubt about the Prophet ﷺ. The munafiqeen. And they had said that we will ask the Prophet ﷺ this question and that question so that we will know for sure whether or not he is actually the messenger of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he found out about that, obviously this made him upset because this was not in Makkah. This was in Medina. And this was being said by people who had apparently accepted Islam. So it does not befit a person who is a Muslim to say such a thing. That we will ask the Prophet ﷺ questions so we know for sure whether or not he is a messenger of Allah So this made him upset So this is why at the mimbal, When he mentioned the events of the day of judgment And this was something not unusual Because the Prophet ﷺ would teach the people Something about the deen after the prayers Because that was a time when people were gathered They had just performed the salah They were willing to listen So that is the time when the Prophet ﷺ would generally teach the people So after he taught them what he had to He began telling them Ask me any question that you may have And obviously, the people there, they didn't have any questions. Or they were afraid, rather. And many of the companions, obviously, their yaqeen was strong. They believed already. So they didn't ask. But the Prophet ﷺ insisted. And the people, they cried. Why did they cry? Because of two reasons. First of all, because they were sad about the fact that the Prophet ﷺ was upset because people had said such things about him. They had yaqeen in the Prophet ﷺ. But there are people whose habit is what? To create doubts in the heart of others. So the Sahaba, they cried because of that. And secondly, they cried because the Prophet kept saying, Ask me any question. And he had mentioned the events of the Day of Judgment. And it seems as though they were afraid that if they asked him any question about the matters of the Akhirah, then he would tell them. And it would be too difficult for them to bear that. They were afraid. Because of what he had mentioned about the day of judgment. And then Abdullah he got up and he asked about his father. Now you may find this very strange that why did he ask about his father? Because the Prophet ﷺ insisted Ask me any question if you want to know that whether or not I receive Wahi from Allah then ask me any question. So Abdullah was made to doubt his lineage because people used to taunt him concerning his lineage. So he thought, okay, this is the only question I can ask the Prophet ﷺ. So he asked him that, who's my father? Is he actually my father or not? So the Prophet ﷺ answered him. And then Umar ﷺ, he is the one who said, رَضِينَا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيًّا And basically what he was implying was that we don't need to ask any questions. We are happy. We are content. We believe in you with certainty. And also we see over here that the Prophet said that right now, just now, I was made to see Jannah and Hellfire on the side of this wall. And what we learn from this is that he was shown a view of Jannah and Hellfire. And some people they say, oh, how is that possible? Obviously in this day and age, it's not difficult for us to understand this, right? With so many screens around us all the time, we know that something is happening somewhere else, but we see it in the palm of our hand. Not that because it's happening in the palm of our hand, but because it's being broadcasted. So if it can happen today because of what human beings do, then obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can cause His Messenger to see something, even though that thing might be very far away. حدثنا بن عمر قال حدثنا شعبة عن أبي عن أبي برزة كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصل الصبح. He said that the prophet used to perform the morning prayer, meaning the fajr prayer. وأحدنا and one of us Yarifu, he would be able to recognize Jalisahu, his companion. Jalis is who the one who is sitting next to him from Jalasa, right to sit down. So. In other words, it wouldn't be completely dark and it wouldn't be very bright either. There was just enough light by that point that we could see the person sitting next to us and know who it was. So what does that teach us? That the Prophet ﷺ performed the Fajr prayer when? Very early. Because we know that he used to recite a lot of Qur'an also in his Fajr prayer right so it's not possible that a person performs Fajr prayer for just 2 3 minutes or 5 minutes and he's able to see the person standing you know sitting next to him and recognize him this is only possible when he starts early so wa يَعْرِفُ ya'rifu jaleesahu and he would recite fiha in it ma something between a 60 to 100 to 100 meaning he would recite this much quran how much quran somewhere between 60 and 100 verses. Now ask yourself, what do I recite in my Fajr prayer? When is it that our Qiyam is very short? When? What's the reason? There are two reasons. Firstly, we don't know what to recite. We don't know the Quran so that we cannot recite it. And secondly, we know it but we don't have the time. So in order to follow the Sunnah of the Prophet Two things have to be done. A, we should memorize at least this much of the Qur'an, at least 60 to 100 verses we should know by heart so that we can recite the Qur'an. And secondly, we should get up early in order to perform Salatul Fajr so that we can follow the sunnah. Now what if a person wants to follow the sunnah immediately and they don't know much of the Quran then what should they do what should they do recite everything they know okay so even if it's just the three quls okay or the four quls and a few short surahs here there doesn't matter recite all of them and some ulama have said that for example for qiyamul layl that if a person knows only one or two surahs they can read those surahs also over and over and over again to make the qiyam long but what do we see here? That it was a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to have long qiyam for fajr prayer. But in the sunnah of the fajr, we see that what is sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in that is that in the first rakah he would recite ya يَا al And in the second rakah, qul هُوَ ahad. So it's best that we follow that sunnah there. And for the fard, you should recite from memory. You should not hold anything. It's allowed in the nafil, but not in the fard prayer. Now, on Friday morning, today what's the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu which surahs would he recite in Fajr Salatul Fajr Suratul Insan and Suratul Sajda two surahs start small make a habit of reciting Suratul Sajda before going to sleep that is also sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu if you're not able to recite it yourself at least listen to it start listening you know like when you're falling asleep play it on your phone Play it on your CD player. Just listen, listen, listen on a daily basis. And you won't even realize and you will have memorized it. Also what you can do is read first five verses, for example. Set that as your target. Read it daily, daily. After your regular recitation, for example in the morning, whenever you recite the Quran, in the evening. After that, make it a habit of reciting just five verses of Surah Al-Sajdah. Every day, every day, every day. When you will see them, listen to them, recite them every day, eventually you'll be able to memorize them. Surah insan also, such a beautiful surah. And make it a habit of listening to the Qur'an regularly as well. When you will listen, you'll be able to memorize much faster. So, make sure that you do something about this, because this was a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and how much will we deprive ourselves of following the sunnah? How much can we? Because at the end, what is it that makes the life of a person beautiful? It is his good habits. And how can we develop good habits? By making sure that we follow the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم? And when habits are good, when life is good, when it's presentable, only then we can say that, إِنَّ Wa وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَاءَ وَمَمَاتِ Lillahi Rabbil الْعَالَمِينَ What kind of life are we presenting to Allah? What kind of life are we dedicating to Allah? Such a life in which Fajr is so short. Fajr is not as long as the Fajr of the Prophets, sallallahu alaihi Is that beautiful life? Seriously, ask yourself: Is that beautiful? Is that presentable? Is that worth dedicating to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? Then we have to work on our habits, and we have to make sure that we make a plan and figure out how to develop these good habits. We might say, oh, I didn't do this when I was younger, so I've lost my chance. No, you can still develop this habit. And you have to do it. Make a commitment with yourself, and inshallah, you will be able to do it. And if you're not able to perform long qiyam for fajr every single day, at least Friday. At least Friday. Start with one day of the week. One day of the week at least. And if you're not able to recite the entire surah, Suratul al-sajdah, the entire Suratul al-insan, then at least the first few verses. So at least you've fulfilled a little bit of the sunnah. You followed at least you know, a little bit of the sunnah. So the Prophet ﷺ, وَيَقْرَأُ فِيهَا مَا بَيْنَ السِتِينَ إِلَى الْمِئَةِ وَيُصَلِّ الظُّهْرَ And he would perform the Zuhr prayer, Shams, When the sun would begin to decline. والعصر, and the asr, he would pray, Ahaduna, While one of us يذهب, He would go إلى to أَقْصَى Medina, The farthest end of the city of Medina. ثُمَّ يرجع, And then he would return. Washamsu While the sun was حَيَّةٌ Still alive. What does it mean by this? That he would perform عَصَرْ prayer so early that after the prayer one of us would go to the end of the city and come back and the sun would still be hayyah in the sky what does it mean by hayyah still white shining hayyah is from hayat right so still alive meaning radiant shining white meaning it would not have turned yellow yet and this is basically talking about you know longer days so basically in the summer we see this that the time of asr is very long okay and until a certain time the sun is very bright and then as the time for sunset draws near, then you see the color of the sun changing, you know, orangish, yellowish as well. So this is when he used to perform the asr prayer. When مَا قَالَ فِي maghrib, And he said, I forgot what the narrator told me about maghrib. Meaning when exactly the Prophet used to perform maghrib. la And he would not be concerned. La yubali, meaning he didn't make it a big deal. Meaning he didn't care much about this. In other words, he would not mind العشاء, with delaying Isha. The rest of the prayers we see that he would pray them very early. Fajr, so early that after the prayer people were barely able to recognize each other. Zuhr, also as soon as the sun would begin to decline. Asr, also very early that one of the people would go and come back and the sun would still be bright in the sky. And Maghrib, the narrator didn't remember, but Isha was the opposite. That the Prophet wouldn't mind deferring it. Until when? إلى Until a third of the night. Meaning until a third of the night had passed, then he would perform isha. ثم قال Then he said الليل, Until half of the night. Meaning sometimes he would even perform isha when half of the night had passed. شعبته, ثُمَّ لقيته مرة, I met him another time. فقال, so he said He said a third of the night. So, this hadith teaches us the times when the Prophet ﷺ performed the prayers. But generally, what we see is that he performed the prayers early, alright. Except for Isha. Dhuhr we know when he used to defer it when it was extremely hot. But Isha, we see that he would pray later. But remember that the maximum time is what half of the night. If a person prays Salatul Isha after half of the night has passed, and remember that his salah has been lost, meaning it's Qada. حدثنا محمد يعني ابن مقاتل قال أخبرنا عبد الله قال أخبرنا خالد بْنُ عبد الرحمن حدثني غالب القطان عن بكر بن عبد الله المزني عن أنا مالك قَالَهِ he said, we used to إذا when we used to pray خلف رسول الله, الله عليه وسلم, behind the prophet at ظهر time ظهائر is the plural of Zahira, and Zahira is midday so basically he's referring to the time when Zuhur salah is performed. So when we used to pray salah to Zuhur behind the Prophet, Fastajadna, then we would prostrate ثيابنا, on our clothes. Why? Ittiqa alhar. In order to protect ourselves from the heat. So it shows that they performed Zuhur also when it was very hot. And that is when the sun begins to decline. Now Basically, it shows that it was at some point after midday, perhaps soon after midday. In a longer version of this hadith, we learn that he said, "Kunna nusalli fi shiddat alhar." We used to perform salah when it was extremely hot, meaning zohr prayer. فَإِذَا لَمْ يستطع أَحَدُنَا أن يمكن جِبْهَتَهُ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ Then, when one of us was not able to place his forehead completely on the ground, then he would place his cloth. And do his sajda on it. Now there's a number of things that we learn over here. First of all, we see that the floor of the masjid was what? Hmm? Bare. There was no carpet, no mat, nothing on it. So the people would perform sajda on bare ground. And this is something that the Salaf actually preferred. That you pray on the ground as is. And what do we prefer? Even if there is a carpet, Put something on top of it and then pray so that you're distracted by the color and the patterns. This is what we think, that it is necessary to pray on something. Whereas we see that the way of the companions was what? That they prayed on bare ground. And it's actually more humbling to do that. Whether you're inside the house or outside the house. Because when you realize I'm putting my head where somebody put their foot, it's actually very humbling. Right? It makes us realize that we are nothing we are small before allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it breaks your arrogance kills your pride and that is very important because we start thinking a lot about ourselves and when we put our head down on the ground bare ground then it is something that will humble us and the salaf would actually tell people to make sure that their their forehead would get you know dusty dusty that make sure you put your head properly and that your forehead actually touches the ground properly so that your forehead gets dusty so that this pride and ego that you have it goes away and this also shows to us that sometimes the masjid of the Prophet would be full so some of the companions would be praying outside because when they'll be praying outside under the open sky then that is where the ground would be more hot because inside at least there was a roof Even if it was just of branches, at least there was something giving shade. And if the shade is there, then the ground would not be that hot. Alright? So the fact that it would be so hot that the people could not place their head on the ground, it shows that sometimes the masjid would become full. So some people would be praying outside. And also we see here that when it would be extremely hot, they would place their cloth and then do sajda on it. What does this show? That if there is a need during the prayer also to place part of your garments, your hijab, the clothes that you're wearing on the ground and then perform sajda on it, it is permissible to do so. But remember, when there is a need, what would be a need, a necessity? So for example, you go to a masjid, you're performing salah, you go down into sajda and then you feel that it's extremely dusty and you have you know, an allergy to dust You start sneezing immediately So you won't be able to focus in your prayer So in the next sajda Can you take a part of your hijab And put it on the ground And then do sajda on it? Yes, you can Okay So for example You do sajda And the place doesn't seem clean Clean in the sense that Not nudges, But in the sense that It smells And you cannot concentrate on your sajda Right? Because if you're rushing through your sajda You're not able to make your dua You're not even able to breathe then how will you have khushur? So in that situation, if you put your hijab or something in front and then do sajda on it, that is also permissible. But remember that you can only put some cloth, whether you're wearing it or you know, it's on your side, maybe, you can put it when there is a need. You cannot do sajda on your hands. Like for example, a person says, Oh my hijab is too short. And you know For example The grass is very pokey And I saw a bug crawling over there I'm afraid if I do sajda It's going to go into my nose So I'm going to put my hands And then do sajda on that No You can't do that Because The hands are what? One of those Parts of the body On which sajda Is complete Right? Meaning They have to be At a particular place Just like your knees have to be Your feet have to be Your head has to be So you cannot Move The position of the hands And you cannot Put your head on the hands The hands have to be In their proper positions. And this hadith also shows to us that in sajdah, it is necessary to place the forehead completely on the ground. Completely on the ground. So what does it mean? That if a person just barely touches the ground and gets up, is that sajdah complete and proper? Is that complete and proper? No. Complete and proper sajdah is which one? Tamkeen. The forehead has to be positioned properly so that it's completely touching the ground. You know, like last time we discussed that the hands have to be flat, touching completely. Just like that, the forehead must touch the floor, the ground completely. And for that, you have to let your body relax. Because if your head is tense, if your neck is tense, then can your forehead touch the ground completely? No. Try it right now. In front of you, even on your desk, or wherever you are, try it right now. That make sure from one side to the other, the forehead is completely touching the ground. So your head has to relax. So how was it? Different, right? It's a different feeling. Yes, the nose is being rubbed more. It's even more humbling. So this is the way of doing sajda. And also, when you do sajda the proper way, then you can relax. Then you can make dua, you can do tasbih, and if you are tense, your head is tense, then it will be difficult to do sajda. Bab al zuhri ila al asri. Delaying zuhur prayer until asr. What does that mean? Leaving zuhur completely. Delaying it deliberately. That remember, there's always the best time to perform a particular salah, and there's a time that is permissible. Right. So the best time is which one? Generally, the beginning. And you can also defer it, meaning towards the last part. But remember for zuhur, it's the opposite way. So ila al Praying it closer to the time of asr. Not immediately after the zuwal of the sun, but after some time has passed, so that asr is very near. So for example, these days asr begins around 2. Twenty something. So, for instance, if a person is performing zohor at two o'clock, at one forty-five, is that permissible? Yes. When do we have our jum'ah? It is permissible. Ta'khid al-zohri ila al-'asri. What's the evidence? حدثنا أبو النعماني قال حدثنا حمادٌ هو ابن زيد عن عمر بن دينار عن جابر بن زيد عن ابن عباس and the sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sallallahu alayhi wa the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed salah in Medina, as seven and eight, meaning as seven rakat and eight rakat. Which prayers? Al-Zuhra wal-Asra, Zuhur and Asr combined, wal-Maghriba wal-Isha'a, and Maghrib and Isha combined. So, how is it seven and eight? Zuhur and Asr, eight. And Maghrib and Isha, seven. Ayub, so Ayyub said, fi Laylatin matira." Perhaps it was on a night that was rainy, meaning the day was rainy, the night was raining. This is why the Prophet joined Zuhur and Asr. And he joined Maghrib and Isha. Qala asa He said, maybe. He wasn't sure. And from another version, we learned that it wasn't rainy. So what do we see here? That the Prophet joined in the city of Medina. So what does that show? He wasn't traveling. So he combined Zuhr and Asr. How? That he performed Zuhr and immediately after he performed Asr. And he performed Maghrib and immediately after he performed Risha. So he joined the prayers basically. Why? What's the reason? Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه, narrated there is another version of this hadith in which the words are more complete which is that النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم جمع بين الظهر والعصر وبين المغرب والعشاء في المدينة Min غير خوف Wala Matarin. he joined these prayers there was no fear meaning fear of the enemy it wasn't that Madina was surrounded by the kuffal no and secondly there was no مطر meaning the weather was also normal and when he was asked why Ibn Abbas said, do not cause difficulty for the ummah. Do not cause difficulty for the ummah. Now some people, they derive from this hadith that sometimes a person can join dhuhr and asr even if there's no genuine reason to do so. And he can join maghrib and isha even if there's no, you know, need. He can do that. Some said that they should always join dhuhr and asr. And they should always join Maghrib and Isha. And there are people who actually pray like this. You know that? There are people who actually pray like this. Based on which hadith? This hadith. But the fact is that neither of these interpretations are correct. Why? Because Ibn Abbas was asked why the Prophet did that. What did he say? So that it would not be difficult for the ummah. So this shows that when there is haraj, when it is difficult for the people, to perform each prayer at its time, then it is permissible to join the prayers. But when it is not difficult to perform each prayer at its time, then is it permissible to join the prayers? No. When it comes to safar, travel, that's a different story altogether. This is when a person is at home. When it's bad weather, that's also a different story because people have to go to the masjid. And if there is rain, constant rain, heavy rain, and people are going five times out in the rain. And you know how Medina is, when it's cold especially, it can be very cold. Very, very cold. I remember once we were in Medina and I didn't expect Medina to be cold at all. And Fajr prayer, took a shower, went to Masjid al-Nabawi. And the cold wind, it just like got into my chest. One walk from the hotel to the Masjid. And that was it. It really got to me. So, Imagine if people are going five times a day in such windy weather, in such cold and rainy weather, then for that reason, the Prophet would combine the prayers sometimes. Maghrib and Isha together, Zuhur and Asr together, because it wouldn't be possible for people to come. But there is another situation which is that it is difficult for the people to keep coming to the masjid. So for convenience, what is done, the prayers are joined. So for example, how can we make this relevant for ourselves? That summer time, summer Risha is extremely late, and Fajr is very early. A person who has the strength, which is generally the case with majority of the people, then they must stay up until Risha time, perform Risha, must wake up at Fajr time and perform Fajr. And Fajr, by the way, you don't join with any prayer. You have to pray Fajr at its time. But when it is difficult for the ummah, difficult for some people, to perform Isha at its time. So for example, there is a 10-year-old child. Now he has to pray all five prayers. But by 11 p.m., he's not going to be able to stay awake. He won't be able to pray salah. It's beyond his capacity. Given that Fajr is so early, 4.30 he has to wake up again. For a 10-year-old child, it cannot be expected. On the weekends, okay. You make the child nap, wake them up at 11 o'clock, make them pray, risha, and then wake them for Fajr again. But on regular school days, will it be possible for a child that age? It won't be. Likewise, if there is a woman who is pregnant, a woman who is pregnant, in her situation, she is physically weak. She doesn't have the strength to stay up so late and then wake up again so early. Such broken sleep. Or a person who has difficult work to do during the day or during the night and for that reason they're not able to stay awake or a person who is extremely old like for instance I know of a lady whose problem is that by 8, 9 o'clock she gets very sleepy and if she does not sleep at that time then what happens is that all night she's not able to sleep and this is despite the fact that she's on sleeping pills despite the fact that she's taking medication so she asked if she could combine her maghrib and isha' Because otherwise she would completely lose her isha. Because when sleep overcomes a person, then that's it. You can't help it. So in these situations, is it permissible for a person to join Maghrib and isha? Not regularly, but you know sometimes when it's beyond their ability to perform Maghrib at its time, isha at its time, then can they join Maghrib and isha? Yes, they can. I've heard myself scholars telling people that they can in this country. Right? Why? Because it's difficult. So if the Prophet ﷺ, he did that sometimes, there was no khawf, no fear of the enemy, there was no rain, the weather was perfectly fine, but still he joined zuhur and asr, he joined maghrib and isha for the convenience of people, then who are we to create difficulty for people? But remember, this was not a habit of the Prophet This is something that happened sometimes, very, very rare, that zuhur is delayed until almost asr time, right? And then asr is followed immediately. So that middle time, that is when zuhur and asr are prayed. Maghrib and isha, also same thing. So for example, if a person wishes to join their maghrib and isha, then what can they do? Defer maghrib. So don't pray exactly at 9 o'clock. Pray it at 9.30. Pray 9.45, pray 10 o'clock. Okay, let it get dark and then pray both the prayers and then the child can sleep. So for example, 10 o'clock. The last thing that the child is made to do is pray your Maghrib But remember, this is not something that should be done habitually as a habit on rare occasions. Rare occasions where it is not possible for a person. Because remember that المشاقة تجلب التسير. This is one of the principles of fiqh, that difficulty brings ease. Okay, Difficulty brings ease for a person. And remember that moderation is a characteristic of siratullah al Mustaqim. of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala straightway. Therefore, one should refrain from extremes. Because sometimes people go to the extreme of joining prayers without a necessity. And the other extreme is not joining the prayers at all, even if there is an extreme necessity. Now what's better? That the child is not praying Isha at all, or that they are praying Isha with Maghrib. What's better? They are praying Isha with Maghrib. I remember when we first came to Canada, my, my brother was very young at that time, and he would find it very difficult to perform Isha, Very difficult. Poor kid would just be lying, and half asleep, half awake. In the morning, he's not able to get up. It was getting difficult for him, because he was very, very young. So I remember my father... He used to make him pray Isha with Maghrib and go to bed immediately. And that was something that was practical for him. Later on, as he grew up, then obviously it was possible for him. And when, on the days when he was able to stay awake until Isha, he did that. So really, in these situations, a person has to go on a day-to-day basis. That, for example, a pregnant woman, she might have the strength one day to stay up until 11 p.m. On another day, she may be exhausted. And she might not pray at all. Doesn't it happen? Many people, they leave the prayer completely then. So what's better? The prayer is left or the prayer is combined? Combined. If the Prophet did it, it shows that it was to give us an evidence, right? So that we can also do it when there is a need. Middle of both prayers. Because you are combining it, right? So ideal is to pray somewhere in the middle. Like you know, jamr is jamr Takhir, jamr taqdeem. Taqdim and تَأْخِير Both are the options. So تَأْخِير is ideal. Or rather not exactly تَأْخِير but like the, the middle point, that is ideal. However, if that is also difficult upon a person, then taqdim is better. Definitely at ظهر time, meaning before it ends. But if, let's say, because these days we go by the clock, right? So for example, there's like two, three minutes left, five minutes left. Then, in that case, obviously, you will go beyond the time as well, but you are within that time. Okay? Basically, over here, what Imam Bukhari is proving is delaying Zuhur until Asr, then that is permissible when there is a need to do that. How often? Allahu A'lam. But it seems that it was rare. So, for example, Maghrib is, for instance, at 9 o'clock. So, he doesn't pray immediately at 9 because he wants to join. He will defer until 9:45 10 o'clock and then pray both of them together because that's somewhere between the middle but it's better to join because you should make up your mind okay bab waqt al the time of asr so after Zuhur comes asr when is it that a person should perform salatul asr asr begins when Zuhur ends remember that ayah that i mentioned to you aqim shamsi ila So what does that show? That all the prayers, their times are connected. In the sense that as soon as one ends, the other one begins immediately after. So Asr begins when Zuhur ends. And there are two times for Asr. First is the preferred time, the Afdal time. And this lasts from the beginning of Asr until the sun begins to turn yellow. Yellowish, orangish. Okay? Because the Prophet ﷺ said The time for asr lasts Until the sun turns yellow In the summer it will be very late And in winter it will be very early The second time for asr is The time of necessity And this lasts from the time The sun turns yellow Until sunset So basically it's not the ideal time It's not the best time It's time of necessity Meaning you weren't able to pray earlier So now you shouldn't leave your asr completely you should pray now anyway However remember that the reward will be less The Prophet ﷺ said Whoever catches up with one rakah of asr Before the sun sets Has caught up with asr Inshallah we will learn this hadith also So the hadith that we're going to learn right now They're talking about which time? The preferred time The best time, the ideal time Because the one who prays late Right before Maghrib The Prophet ﷺ described such a person as who? Rushing through the prayers and waiting until the very end. Who? This is the prayer of who? A munafiq, a hypocrite. So the best is early. Haddathana Ibrahim ibn al Munzir qala haddathana Anas ibn Uyyadin an Hishamin an Abihi an Aisha ta qalat kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yusallil asra. Was shamsu, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to perform asr, and the son lam <laughs> ta khruj min hujratiha. And the son had not yet left her room. What does that mean? That the sunlight was still in her room. He said, from the qar of her hujra. What is qar? Wasat. Meaning, there would be sunlight in the middle of her hujra. Not just, you know, on the walls or something. No, in the middle. It would be bright. So this is when the Prophet Sallallahu used to perform asr. So basically, early. حدثنا قتيبة قال حدثنا ليث عن ابن شهاب عن عروة عن عائشة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى he performed the عصر and the sun was still in her room لم يظهر الفيء من حجرتها the shade had not appeared in her room yet fay meaning shade so basically the sun was still there it hadn't passed yet in other words the shadows had not become very long حدثنا أبو نعيم قال أخبرنا ابن عيينة عن الزهري عن عروة عن عائشة قالت كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي صلاة, the عليه وسلم used to صلاة العصر والشمس طالعة في حجرتي and the sun was still in my room لم يظهر الفيء and the shade had not yet appeared لم يظهر it had not yet appeared الفيء, the shade وَقَالَ مَالِكٌ سَعِيدٍ وَشُعِيبٌ وابن أَبِي حَفْصَةَ وَالشَّمْسُ قَبْلَ أن تظهر. And the sun, meaning before the sun was high. Washamsu and the sun before أَن تَظْهَرُ That it would become apparent, meaning before the sun was high. Meaning the sunlight before it reached very high. Now think about it. Sometimes it happens that through the window the sun is coming into your room. You can see it on your wall then what happens? You see it going higher, 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 and then eventually disappearing. Why is it going higher? Because the sun is setting downwards. So as it's going downwards, the light will be upwards. So basically he performed asr when the light had not yet risen too high. So basically he performed asr very early. حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ مُقَاتِلٍ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا عُوْفٌ عَنْ سَيَّارِ بْنِ سَلَامَةَ قَالَ دَخَلْتُ أَنَا وَأَبِي He said, I and my father both entered على أبي بَرْزَةَ الْأَسْلَمِي فَقَالَ So he said أَبِي to him, who, Abi my father, meaning my father asked him الله الله How did the Prophet perform al-maktuba رَسُولُ is صَلَى fard عَلَيْه so he said, كَانَ Hajira, He used to perform the Hajir, meaning al-Ula. The Salah which you call Ula meaning the first one So what do we see here? Different names for the prayer We call it duhur. They used to call it Hajir And some used to call it Ula So if different names are used It's not a big deal so he used to perform Zuhur prayer, Hina, at the time when Tadhadhu Shamsu, the sun began to decline. Tadhadhu, Dahd, Hujjatuhum dahhida. What does Dahidah mean? Refuted. When something is refuted, what does it mean? It's being erased. So as the sun begins to decline, it's basically erasing. So at the time when the sun began to decline, that is when he performed zuhur and he would perform the عَصْر prayer and after the prayer ثُمَّ يَرْجِعُ then he would return Ahaduna, one of us إِلَى رَحْلِهِ to his home Rahl meaning Maskan, his house meaning one of us would perform Asr with the Prophet وسلم and then go home and the house would be where? فِي al الْمَدِينَةِ at the end of the city farthest end of the city وَالشَّمْسُ Shamsu and at that time the sun would be حيّة it would be bright بيضاء نقيّة. ونسيت and I forgot ما قال في المغرب what he said about maghrib وكان يستحب and he used to like أن يؤخر that he would defer العشاء the prayer التي تدعونها العتمة the prayer which you call العتمة. وكان يكره النوم قبلها and he disliked sleep before it hadith And speech after it. What does it mean? That before Isha, the Prophet ﷺ disliked sleep. Meaning he did not like it. That someone should sleep before performing Isha Salah. Why? Because then he might not wake up. It would be difficult to pray Isha. And even if he wakes up, he's only going to rush through Salah to get over it. Wal hadith and he disliked speech after Risha. Why? Because then you're going to sleep very late. And if you sleep very late, you won't be able to wake up early. Wakana and he used to yan He would leave from Min Salatil from the morning prayer, basically Fajr prayer. Meaning he would have completed the prayer salatul Fajr. And by the time when he would leave it would be at the time when يَعْرِفُ Rajulu JalisaHu, A person would be able to recognize the one sitting next to him. وَيَقْرَأُ And he would recite بِالسِّتِينَ ilal الْمِئَةِ Somewhere between 60 and 100 verses. So what do we see over here? That Asr prayer would be early. حدثنا عبد الله بن عن مالك عن إسحاق بن عبد الله بن أبي عن أنس بن مالك كنا we used to perform the asr prayer ثم يخرج الإنسان then a man would go إلى بني عمرو بن عوف to the place where Banu Amr bin A'uf used to live then we would find them they would be performing asr so in other words a person would pray Asr with the Prophet, ﷺ, then he would leave the masjid, go home, go to this particular clan, and then he would find that these people are praying salah then. So, what does it show? Their salah was also acceptable. So, the Prophet, ﷺ, his habit was to pray salah, salatul asr, as soon as the time would enter. But, it is also permissible to pray after some time. Because if it was not acceptable, the Prophet وسلم, would have advised them. Haddathana ibn Muqatilin qala akbarana Abdullah qala akbarana Abu Bakr ibn Uthman ibn Sahlin ibn Hunayf qala samirtu aba umamata qala samirtu aba umamata he said, Saliyna maa We performed the salah with Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. We performed the salah with Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, the Khalifa. Which salah was this? Al Zuhra. ثُمَّ Then we went out until until دَخَلْنَا عَلَىٰ We came upon Anas ibn Malik We came to Anas ibn Malik And who's Anas ibn Malik? Companion of the Prophet ﷺ فَوَجَدْنَاهُ So we found him Performing asr. We just prayed zuhur with the Khalifa And we came to Anas Anhu immediately, And we find him praying asr. فَقُلْتُ يَا So I said, O oh my uncle, مَا هَذِهِ الصلاة?" Which salah was this? Alati which you just performed. Meaning, is it Zuhur? It's so late, and asr, isn't it too early? He said, I just prayed asr. salatu صلى الله عليه وسلم, and this was the prayer of the Messenger of Allah alati which we used to pray with him. So, what does it show? That he was praying asr very early. And he said, this is how the Prophet وسلم, used to perform Asr prayer as well. حَدَّثَنَا أبو قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا شُعَيْبٌ عَنِ الزُّهْرِيِّ قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي مالك قَالَ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُصَلِّ الْعَصْرَ He would perform the Asr prayer, While the sun would be high, حَيَّةٌ bright, shining, white, then a person would go العوالي, to the awali. What are awali? Uphill slopes. So slopes, what does it show? That it was towards the end of the city, meaning the borders of the city. Because the place where the people are living, that's not slopy. But as the population spreads out, then what happens to the slopes? They go away. Why? Because people dig them and they flatten the ground in order to build houses. So, The slopes, the awali, it's referring to the outskirts of the city. So he said that one of us would pray asr with the Prophet ﷺ at this time, and then he would go to the awali, and he would come to them, and the sun would still be high. Meaning, we would walk all that distance, and the sun would still be high. So what does it show? Asr was early. وَبَعْضُ Arwali And some of the slopes من Medina From the city of Medina Ala أَرْبَعْتِ أَمْيَالٍ أَوْ نَحْوِهِ Meaning they were at a distance of 4 miles Or something like that Some arwali Were at a distance of 2 miles Some 3 miles Some 4 miles And some 6 miles So how long do you think it would take To cover 2 to 6 miles By walking for an average person Anyone goes for regular walks? Maybe two-mile walk or three-mile walk or four-mile walk. If not outside, maybe on a treadmill. How long does it take? So about 45 minutes to do three-quarters of a mile. Hmm? And that's uphill, you're saying? Outside. Okay, so think about somewhere between half an hour to an hour. Somewhere between half an hour to an hour, it would take to go to the awali. So what does it show? That Asr would be early. Now in the summer you have a long time for Asr prayer. And what we do is we delay, delay, delay. But even in summer, what do we learn? The sunnah of the Prophet was to pray Asr early. Before the sun turns yellowish, orangish. It's ideal, it's best to pray Salatul Asr early and not defer it. And in winter, when the time is very short, then again it's best to pray early. عَبْدُ Abdullah ibn Yusuf قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا Malik Ibn شِهَابٍ عَنْ أنس ابن مَالِكٍ Kunna كُنَّا نصلي الْعَصْرَ We used to pray عَصْر ثُمَّ يَذْهَبُ الذَّاهِبُ Then one of us would go, Minna to توقب. all the way to Quba then he would come to them was and the sun was still high. The sin of the one who loses Asr. فَاتَتْهُ What does فَوْتْ mean? Death. When something dies, it's gone. So the sin of the one who misses his Asr. What does it mean by this? That he delays it to the point that he loses the time for it. Which time? The best time. The best time. So there's two ways of looking at it. One, that he is performing Asr. When? Very late. So before sunset, but very late. And secondly, that he doesn't pray. Or he delays it so much that he misses the time completely. So for example, a person is somewhere, the time for Asr comes in, he knows that there is barely two hours, I should pray before I leave. He says, no, no, I'll pray when I get home. And he knows that there is going to be only half an hour before Maghrib. So they get home, and they find out one thing has to be done urgently, another thing has to be done urgently. And like this, the time for asr is gone completely. So the sin of the one who misses asr. This is a sin. Missing asr, deferring asr. When there is a genuine reason, that's a different case. Because in the Quran, what do we learn? salata illa wa hum They come to prayer lazily. So when you have two hours... And you're delaying, delaying, procrastinating until the very end. What does it show? That you're coming lazily. You have no interest in the prayer. You're just praying just to get over it. Just to get, It's like something that has to be done and you just do it for the sake of getting over it. Because this is what the hypocrites used to do. Okay, so this is like resembling a munafiq. Even though a person doesn't have nifaq in aqeedah, but there is nifaq in amal. Remember, there's two types of nifaq, right? So this is in amal. This is why a person should refrain from this because when you resemble someone in actions then you will resemble them in nature as well eventually Haddathana Abdullah ibn Yusuf qala akhbarana Malik an-Nafi' an Ibn Umar anna Rasul Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala alladhi tafutuhu salatu al-'asri ka'annama wutira ahluhu wa malahu The one who misses his salatu al-'asr is as though he has lost, he has been deprived of his family and his wealth. Wutira. Wutira means quti'ah. It was cut off, meaning he lost. And this is what? Khasira mubina. If a person loses all of his property and his family, imagine if a person has their family, all of their family members in one house, and that house catches fire. The house is finished, the people inside the house are finished. That's a great tragedy. So this is the state of the one who misses his Asr prayer That generally Salatul Asr is missed Or it is delayed Until the very end Because of these two reasons Money Work House Cleaning Cooking Or Family We're taking care of their needs Or we're sitting with them So We don't realize That while we are spending time with them Preferring them over Asr We are actually Losing them And this is a great warning The Prophet ﷺ warned us From losing our Asr prayer because it's a very serious matter. And this shows to us the importance of Asr Salah as well. حافظوا عَلَى وَالصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى It has been specially mentioned, the middle prayer. This is why the scholars have said that out of the five prayers, the most afdal, the most important prayer is Asr prayer. And then Fajr prayer. First is Asr and then is Fajr. So out of all the five prayers, we should be most concerned about performing which prayer on time? Asr prayer And if Asr will be on time Then the rest of the prayers will also be on time And because of this hadith Actually some scholars said That if a person misses their Asr prayer Then tarzid will be applied What is tarzid? Punishment decided by the judge So In a land where the Muslim law is applied If a person Does not pray Asr or he delays it, delays it, delays it, and he's seen performing Salatul Asr at Maghrib time, or later on, or just before, then the judge will make a decision, that okay, he should be given five lashes. Can you imagine? This is a very serious matter. A very serious matter. And the warning of the Prophet is much more stronger. كَأَنَّمَا أَهْلَهُ وَمَا لَهُ See, if you have time, after what you're doing, to pray within the preferred time. Okay, so for example, you've gone to pick up your kids, for instance. As you're driving, the time for Asr comes in. Or as soon as you reach, the time for Asr comes in. By the time you go home, inshallah within 20 minutes you'll be home, and the sun has not turned yellowish-orange by that time, then, of course, pray a Salah when you get home. But if you're getting home, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour before Maghrib, 45 minutes before Maghrib, then that's not enough time. Okay? Then in that case, you have to stop what you're doing and pray first. But if you have plenty of time afterwards, then there is no harm. So for example, many students over here, uh, their classes go up until 3.15, 3.30. So what should you do then? Make sure that you have your wudu before you go into class. So that as soon as class ends, you can pray salah immediately. Because you still have about... An hour, 15 minutes okay, And that is enough time Okay, You don't have to stop your class Go pray asr and then return No, you can also pray afterwards But if let's say your class You're at school, you're at university And your class is ending at 4.30 Is ending at 4 o'clock Is ending at 4.15 Then in that case you should take time out And go pray So you really have to see Is it going to fall in the best time or is it going to fall in the time of necessity? The one who leaves out Asr. That's who gives the meaning of that he's delaying, 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 and he just loses it. Almost unintentionally. Tarak al is that he leaves it deliberately. You understand the difference? One is that a person misses the prayer or delays the prayer because of a genuine reason they were not able to pray. Okay, Like for example, they were sleeping. And they wake up literally half an hour before Maghrib. In that case, they're not sinful. Why? Because the sleep overcame them. They set an alarm, they didn't hear it. Somebody woke them up and left the house and they fell asleep again. So it wasn't deliberate, it just happened. That's a different case. Another is that a person is able to pray They're working, they're reading, they're in a meeting, they're in a class, they're always able to stop what they're doing and pray. But what do they do? They say, let me just wash this dish. And let me just cook this, you know, complete this dish. And let me just unload the dishwasher. And let me just read this book to my child. And like this, what happens is that the prayer is deferred, deferred, deferred until the very end. And the third is that a person says, oh, forget it. Many people do that. Like for example, they're out shopping. They have no intention of praying asr at Asr time. They have no intention of praying Maghrib at Maghrib time. Because if they had the intention, what would they do? They would go make wudu and pray Salah. Or they would think about leaving the mall. Right? Or they would think before going to the mall, that okay, I have to pray Maghrib, I have to pray my Asr, when and where will I pray? But if they go without any plan, then what does it show? They have no plan of praying. So the one who leaves his asr like this, does not pray at all, deliberately does not pray at the right time, then what is the situation of this person? He said, we were with Burayda, fi in a battle, fi yawmin on a day that was cloudy. On a cloudy day, we were in a battle. فَقَالَ So he said, بَكِّرُوا al الْعَصْرِ بَكِّرُوا meaning عَجِّلُ Meaning perform Salatul Asr early. Make sure that you perform it well in time. Because it's cloudy and you won't realize and all of a sudden it will be Maghrib. So make sure that you perform the salah early. فَإِنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالَ مَن تَرَكَ صَلَاةَ الْعَصْرِ فَقَدْ حَبِطَ That whoever leaves Salatul Asr, then in fact his deeds are wasted. What does it mean by this? His deeds are wasted. Some said based on this that the one who leaves Salatul Asr or any other Salat deliberately, then it is as though he has committed Kufr. Because it is Kufr that wastes the deeds of a person. In the Quran, we learn that. Then it is those whose deeds are wasted. Others said that no, this is not kufr, literally. And this is not, you know, by leaving the salah. It is specifically to Salatul Asr only. So, for example, if a person leaves Salatul Fajr, then no, they haven't committed kufr. But if they leave Salatul Asr, then they have committed kufr. Because you see, Asr is a time when you are around people. Zuhur, okay, you can pray by yourself, people won't find out. Maghrib, Isha, you can pray by yourself, people won't find out. But Asr, you know, you generally pray in front of people. And if you're not praying Asr in front of people also, then what is this? Is this Iman or Kufr? This is Kufr. This is what they said. Others said that it is not Kufr because. Habita amalu, the hubutul amul over here means that leaving Salatul Asr is a great, great sin. Such a great sin that will outweigh many good deeds combined. You know, like once, because good deeds they erase bad deeds. And bad deeds, what do they do? They also burn the good deeds of a person. What does backbiting do? What does hasad do? It kills the good deeds of a person. So leaving Asr is such a sin that will waste many good deeds of a person. Which good deeds of a person? Some said all his good deeds. Others said no, not all the good deeds but the good deeds of that day. It is as though on that day he achieved nothing. He accomplished nothing. He earned not even a single good deed. فَقَدْ حَبِطْ So they said that حَبِطْ This is مُقَيَّد. This is You know, only for that day. Not his entire life, but just for that day. And from this, it is also necessary to clarify that leaving salah is kufr when it is tarqan mutlaqan. Meaning when a person completely abandons the prayer. Meaning that he doesn't even pray Jum'ah salah. He doesn't even pray salah Eid. Okay? That is kufr. But if a person performs some prayers leaves other prayers, then yes, that is a sin. That is very similar to kufr. But it cannot be said that this person is kafir. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, فَمَن تَرَكَهَا تَرَكَهَا Meaning, had Left it completely. Didn't pray at all. Eid is a time when everyone prays. Jumar is a time when everyone prays. And he doesn't pray at all. And this person is kafir But if a person prays sometimes Doesn't pray at other times He's doing an action of kufr Resembling the kafirin But it doesn't mean that he has become And such a person They do pray sometimes at least So for example Eid salah Then again when it comes to kufr There is one thing that we need to remember That kufr is when a person says That this command for instance You don't have to do it I don't have to do it And I'm never going to do it This is kufr But if a person says, yes, I know I'm supposed to do it, but I'm still struggling, then that is not kufr. Because his heart still accepts and acknowledges. So anyway, in this hadith is a great warning about missing asr salah. And if we want to preserve our asr salah, then what is necessary? That we pray as soon as the time comes in, as soon as we are able. Inshallah. So target of this week is Perform Salatul Asr On time, immediately Those of us who are here 5 days a week until 3 o'clock Then pray Salat Before you go home Before you go home And you'll see that as you go home You are relaxed And when you get home, you are relaxed And if you go without praying You're constantly worried because of the weather conditions, I mean, the traffic, because also it's it's high traffic time, right? And given how the weather is, you might think that it, it will take you 15 minutes to get home, but you're stuck in traffic and you might miss your salah completely. Because you see, there's still an hour. There is sufficient time. But if after four o'clock, I mean, that's late and that should not be done. It's ideal to pray early, right? And that should be considered. But if Because remember that Whenever the timings are set Like the Prophet ﷺ Whenever he led the salah in the masjid He always paid attention to the needs of people Because people are doing many different things And whatever was most convenient for the people That is when he performed the prayers For a woman Even if the adhan is going on And she has to leave She can leave Okay And even if people are performing salah in jamaah And she already said it Or she plans to say her salah after 15 minutes She's not Obligated to pray in Jamara I mean, definitely it's better But remember that it's not obligatory on her We don't know if we're going to live the next minute And even though you know, A person is not held responsible In that case, but still Why miss that? Imagine in our record if it shows Okay, this is incomplete because she didn't She didn't do it Like I remember once this lady She said to my mother I was watching, I was very young She said I don't feel like praying salah. I find it too hard. And I remember as a child I was just listening to her that people can actually say that. And my mother responded to her very, in a, in a very like calm and nice way. Just pray your fault. Just pray your fault. Because for many people salah means Salatul Isha 17 rak'at. So for a person who doesn't pray at all and you tell them just pray your fault, or just pray your asr. Just pray your asr. I'll remind you. I'll send you a message. Hmm? And then they develop the habit of praying also. Gradually one after the other, after the other. And also for children, as they're getting older, like for example at the age of seven. I remember when my brother turned seven, my mother told him that, okay, from today you have to pray Salatul Maghrib every day. You can never miss it now. So he developed a habit within one year. Next year, okay. Birthday, your gift is that you have to pray. You know, this, this salah and this salah. So the habit was developed gradually. Subhanakallahu bhi bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa